www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 45. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. And with me in the virtual studio today is Chief Reporter Cami. Yesterday we played at Derby County and drew one each, with Derby scoring the equaliser in the 89th minute. It was their first game in two weeks due to the international break, and that two weeks has given the club ample time to identify and approach candidates for the managerial position vacated by Steve Keane's resignation over three weeks ago. Bearing in mind that a month ago the Rao brothers were preparing to sack Keane ahead of the Middlesbrough match, and possibly even earlier, and also bearing in mind that Shebby Singh, the Rovers' global advisor, had indicated at the open floor meeting in August that Keane was on borrowed time and had hinted that there was a contingency plan for Keane's replacement, it would appear that things are even more confused behind the scenes than they are out in the public forum. Meanwhile, following on from a very poor performance in the home defeat to Wolves, caretaker manager Eric Black has come out with some rather controversial comments in the past two weeks, and in the post-Keen era, one or two things are starting to come out, with David Dunn revealing some dissatisfaction with the regime under Keane in an interview in the Saturday 13th edition of the Lancashire Telegraph. Here to make sense of the goings-on behind the scenes is Cammy. Hi Cammy, how are you? I'm alright, Ren. Uh, how are things in Japan? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, the summer has uh, just about come to an end now. It's... Uh, Starting to get uh, a little bit cooler, but uh, beautiful blue skies. Yep. Well, I, can re- I can report there's beautiful blue skies in Blackburn today as well. So. Excellent. That's what we want to hear. That's great. Anyway, um, match against Derby yesterday. Uh, last week you were uh, last sorry last time we spoke, uh, you were saying that you hoped to uh, go down there. Did you actually manage to get there in the end? Uh, no, I had some uh, work commitments, um, so I wasn't able to get to the. Uh, to the derby match but um, like most people I've seen extensive highlights uh, overnight um, so I'm in pretty good position to talk about what I've seen anyway. And uh, there's been so many uh, ins and outs over the last couple of weeks uh, since the last match uh, been off the field Eric Black uh, new manager and uh, just recently we've uh, we've heard about uh, uh, Steve Keane's case, uh, I believe he's uh, putting in for a compensation claim of 1.5 million. That's just come out today. Plenty to talk about. Uh, we'll start off with the, the match itself, though. Um, Derby, we went 1-0 up in the first half. Uh, sounded like a, a pretty pretty good goal and a pretty good performance in the first half. Uh, but second half sounded uh, rather familiar sitting back and uh, inviting pressure on us. Uh, how did you see it? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously I'm just going off uh, what I've seen on highlights, uh, but it seemed for the first sort of 65 minutes we were, we were in good control. Uh, we looked uh, defensively uh, a lot more solid than we had uh, under Steve Keane, um, and we'd added some creativity as well. Um, obviously Danny Murphy was dropped yesterday, and uh, both Dunny and Pedersen came in, um, and I think th- they made a big difference. So yeah, for 65 minutes, uh, we were in control. We scored uh, through road to absolutely fantastically uh, taken goal. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for Jordan because he's not being played in, in the position that he wants. Uh, you know, he needs some. He's somebody who's got very good movement and needs a good service. And he's being told to play a, play a very different role to that. So it's not maximising his strengths. But I think he's doing it for the team. But uh, his goal was fantastic. Uh, he took it really, really well. We're 1-0 up um, in complete control. Um, you know, Derby were posing a threat, but um, they weren't really ripping through us. Um, but as the second half wore on, uh, it was the same old problem that we started to drop deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, you know... Um, um, and, and with sort of 15 minutes to go, uh, we were, you know, from the highlights again, we were dropping really, really deep and, and in constantly inviting Derby pressure. Um, and when that happens, normally 
you'll get caught out and unfortunately for Rovers uh, uh, we did um, uh, Robbo was very very unlucky because he made a fantastic uh, save uh, and the ball ricocheted back off and, and uh, he was about to go and make a double save but he was just unlucky with the ricochet and, and Derby equalised so the positive was it was a much improved performance uh, from what we've seen under Keane much more organised um, but the same things happened in the last 20 minutes where we dropped deeper and deeper uh, Eric Black uh, in his after match press conference was saying that he was he, he was trying to get the team to push up and they, they just weren't doing it they were just dropping deeper and deeper and eventually we got caught out uh, I think the players aren't fit. Um, you know, it's been revealed in the last two weeks that uh, uh, Howard, who was uh, a highly regarded fitness coach, has gone. Um, so at the moment, I think we're being trained by uh, you know some some inexperienced person uh, with regards to coaching. Um, so so you know, I don't know if we're not fit enough, and and that's the reason why we're dropping deeper and deeper. Uh, but it's something that that needs that needs sorting out. Um, so, so it's it's you know it's something that um, needs to be addressed, and and the fitness, general fitness of the players, is maybe a contributing factor. Uh, but the positives yesterday were that uh, it was a much improved performance for 65 minutes or so, and then we got caught out in the last few minutes. So yeah, a point to point, and 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 you know, away from home, that's always good. Uh, we've maintained our unbeaten away record. Um, but this point will only be good if we can win our two home games this week, which is Sheffield Wednesday on Wednesday and Watford on, on Saturday. If we can win those two games, then seven points out of nine uh, will be a very, very good return. Um, but, uh, you know, they're both going to be very difficult games. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I, I know people were very, very disappointed uh, with the point yesterday, but you've got to remember, this is a team with no manager, uh, you know, Eric Black has come in and he's done, you know, he's got him more organised, which is what we were asking for. Obviously, he's not, uh, you know, he shouldn't be made new manager or anything because I don't think he's he's the right person to take us forward. Uh, but, you know, we, we managed to get a point. The other only other point is, uh, with the team struggling in the last 25 minutes, it was, again, it was we were back to Steve Keenitis, I think, uh, because he only made one substitution. Um, and when your team's dropping deeper and deeper, and, and it's maybe because they were getting tired. Uh, I know people who were at the game were saying uh, Kazim Richards uh, was really tired in the last sort of 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And I think he even gestured to, to, to the bench, but we only made one one substitution that was for me coming on for Dunny. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm bemused really that why the full allocation of substitutes wasn't used yesterday because you had people, experienced people like Danny Murphy on the bo- uh, on the on the bench. You had you know Rachina there. You had Gomez there. So you know he did have options and he chose not to use them. Steve Keane went through a similar phase last December and January where he was just making one substitution per game uh, and you know people picked it picked it up quite quickly that wait a minute, why aren't we using our full allocation of substitutes? Particularly yesterday when the team was really struggling in the last 20 minutes. From, you know, from looking at the highlights, they looked pretty tired. Uh, people who were at the game were saying Richard was definitely tired and, and they didn't change it. So, so, again, that strikes me as being a little bit bizarre. Mm. Um, I think that uh, in a recent interview that uh, Eric Black has kind of hinted that he would have preferred to have have made more substitutions in I think it was was it the uh, Wolves match um, was it after the Wolves match where he was talking about substitutions yeah yeah that's right sounds as though there may be something going on behind the scenes which uh, means that he's being restricted in some way well if that's true uh, then they're going to really struggle with bringing a new manager in because there's no way any new manager uh, coming from outside the club is going to accept uh, that kind of level of interference if someone's telling them that you can only make one substitution per game I'm pretty sure anyone coming in will if they're not told this beforehand will probably walk out the club uh, so so if if that's true then I, and you know I'm not, I'll be dubious about that because they have spent a lot of money on bringing players in so it'd be completely counterproductive to put a, 
uh, a, a block on how many substitutions you can make. But if it's true, then they're going to really struggle getting a new manager in because there's no way anyone from outside the club is going to come in and say, oh yeah, no problems, I'll work with just one substitute, uh, just not going to happen. Yeah. We'll come on to uh, the managerial search in a minute. Uh, just to go back to the game, um, the formation, we played uh, three at the back against uh, Wolves, um, f- well, with two wing backs, so it's three or five at the back, depending on how you look at it. Um, yesterday I looked at the team sheet before the match and I thought it's possibly 4-4-2. What was the actual formation during the match, though? Yeah, it was, uh, um, again, it's very hard to tell on the, on the highlights uh, exactly how we were playing, but from what I could see, we were we were playing a more traditional uh, 4-4-2 formation. So we had four at the back, uh, four in midfield, uh, and and then um, uh, two up front with, with Kazim kind of uh, dropping uh, deeper and, and sometimes even going on the right-hand side to provide a bit of cover. So they were a bit more fluid up front, but it definitely wasn't, uh, from what I could see, anyway, uh, uh, a three-five-two formation. It was it was a more traditional four-four-two formation, which um, you know I think the players are quite comfortable playing, um, and maybe was one of the reasons why we looked uh, a bit more fluid uh, when we were going forward. Uh, whereas when we were playing the three-five-two formation, the players were a bit at sixes and sevens uh, in terms of they didn't. They weren't comfortable playing it. The movement uh, wasn't the, at the standard that you'd expect uh, from from the caliber of player that we had. I think that was because this three five two was just bought in, uh, you know, quite uh, at the last minute rather than something that they'd been working on for months and months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would that mean that Jason Law was wide right, giving uh, cover for uh, uh, Bradley or on the right there? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and and the good thing with with Lowy is he can also tuck into the middle if you need you know if you're getting overrun in the middle he can go and help out there as well uh, and he can go play right back as well so uh, yeah. he's versatile uh, in terms of where he can play yeah uh, and from all accounts uh, Dunny had a pretty good game yesterday uh, good you know, uh, Danny Murphy unfortunately has been very very disappointed this year. Uh, and 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 from from you know all accounts yesterday, uh, done. Uh, you know while he didn't have a stupendous game in any way, but he he did have a good game, and and you know he, uh, for sixty minutes while he was on, uh, he he did a really good job for for, for Rovers. Good, and uh, Morton Gams Pedersen was uh, over on the left side, I presume. He didn't tuck in at all. Yeah, and his uh, his set pieces. Uh, we were back to long throws yesterday as well. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, yeah, which we haven't seen for a while. Uh, so his throw-ins and and uh, delivery from set pieces was uh, was pretty good yesterday, and it caused Derby uh, quite quite a lot of problems. And we were back to uh, mixing it up with having some long throws in there as well. And from the reports, it sounds as though uh, we're pretty solid at the back. Um, is that is that what you thought when you were watching the highlights? For sixty odd minutes, we were pretty solid, yeah. Uh, but when we started to drop deep and uh, and deeper and invite pressure on, and it gave Derby uh, some encouragement, then uh, these defensive frailties that we've had previously started to manifest themselves again. Uh, so what, when we were when we were on top, it was okay, and and the team was working really well. But as soon as we started to drop deeper. Uh, that's when uh, the, the problems really started, and and uh, you know our defensive frailties were exposed again. Uh, so so I don't think the defensive problems have gone away, uh, and and Black has done a quite good job in getting the team organised. But uh, the underlying problems with the players, um, you know, not being organised too well, and I think I honestly believe that they're unfit. I don't think they they're fit enough, and. Uh, you know, it's, this is not the only game. Uh, you know, since in the Premier League, since Clement left, and the Championship this year, our performances generally have tended to drop in the last 20 minutes. Uh, yes, we've had a few goals uh, where we won games in the last few minutes, but generally our performances and energy levels seem to drop in the last 20-25 minutes. And it's, I think it's purely down to the fact that Mark Howard has left. 
uh, we've not really replaced him with a proper uh, sports science sort of fitness guy. Uh, I believe the person who's doing it is is a young lad, uh, so he's not very experienced. So you know that's uh, sports science side of, of football is very very important uh, in 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 the modern game, and I don't think uh, we're anywhere near uh, at the standard that we need to be in, in that department. And and I think the player's fitness uh, is is possibly also not at the levels that that we'd expect uh, it to be at. Uh, this fits in with what uh, David Dunn was saying in his interview uh, last Saturday uh, in the Lancashire Telegraph, uh, saying that uh, pre-season uh, it was the worst he'd ever had, uh, and uh, they only ran a couple of times and played a few games. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not not very good that uh, you know an experienced campaigner like David Dunn is coming out with uh, you know, comments that's the worst pre-season he's, he's ever had. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think they brought in a Croatian uh, uh, fitness person. I, I know it was mentioned on our forums by somebody uh, in August September time, uh, but you know I've not seen this guy. Um, uh, I certainly haven't seen him on the bench. Uh, I, I know most of the people who sat on the bench, so I don't know if he was brought in and whether he's still at the club or whether there were problems with his work permit because he would need a work permit to come and work in this country. So I'm not sure what happened with him, but I haven't seen. Uh, you know, I might have missed him completely, but um, I haven't seen him on on the bench or in, in and around uh, the, the squad on a match day. Uh, so I mean, he may well be there, but uh, I haven't seen him. Uh, I'm just wondering whether it was possibly because of problems with his work permit or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Eric Black has come out with some comments recently. Uh, f- first of all, he. <laughs> He was talking about Simon Vukcevic and uh, saying that he was a little bit surprised that he could play inside. Um, you know, he's been there for how many months and he doesn't even know that Simon Vukcevic can play in in, uh, in other positions. Uh, that was uh, a rather startling admission. And uh, then he's come out uh, in the last couple of days uh, with um, these working class comments that, uh, you know, the... Blackburn public, uh, being working class, want to see up and at them style of football. Um, I don't know whether the the long throws are, uh, are, are um, some some kind of attempt to to give us excitement or something. Rather bizarre comments, though, aren't they? They are. Uh, the Vukcevic Vukcevic one, uh, um, I was flabbergasted that he's actually allowed those comments to be even printed because. Uh, that he's been here for nearly a year, I think now, and and um, you know what is he doing in training if he's not doesn't know what positions his players are playing. Now Vukcevic is a international, uh, where for Montenegro, uh, I think it's Montenegro. Yeah, uh, but he plays. Yeah. yeah, he plays. You know, he played England last year, and he gave Ashley Calder run around at times. <laughs> uh, so I. Absolutely amazed that he's come out with those comments. What what is he doing at training if he doesn't know what the positions of the players are? You know, uh, which which positions they're comfortable playing at. Uh, and then his Blackman com- actually that interview he came across quite well. Uh, I agreed with a lot of the points that he was he was making. But uh, this these comments about Blackman being a working class town and and like you said, he seemed to intimate that the that uh, we don't understand any sophisticated football uh, and we like it up and atom football uh, that that you know that really riled me because um, you know I, I know lots of Rovers fans who are very intelligent and are sort of students of the game and they appreciate uh, you know the finer points so you know we don't just stand there and ask the team to charge forward all the time <laughs> uh, you know a lot of our fans do understand the game and want to see uh, better football but what we don't want to see is uh, the the kindest things that we were doing at, against the Wolves game at the Wolves game where there was no plan uh, yeah we were more solid but players were just passing for the sake of passing and there was no movement so 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 our attacks when they were being constructed there wasn't any shape to them it was just more pass 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 and then if they got into good position oh that's good and 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 they had a, had a shot but uh, there was no like game plan uh, in terms of when we were going forward, and and that's why the crowd was getting annoyed, because um, you know we were passing for the sake of passing, and the movement uh, in front of 
the 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 defence and midfield wasn't wasn't all that great and 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 that's why the crowd was getting annoyed. Not because we wanted to see the team charging forward and long balls and long throws into the box. Uh, you know, uh, we can appreciate uh, better football, but when it's when it's played right. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty insulting to suggest that uh, because. Uh, people are working class that they can't understand the the game of football. Yeah, I mean, look at so, look at Swansea. Yeah. Swansea's, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I think they've got a coal mining history in, in Wales. That doesn't mean that they can't appreciate the really good football, technical football that that the Swansea current Swansea side are playing. Uh, you know, people once it's done right, people will get behind it. But what fans don't want to see is uh, a disorganised mess in front of them. And and players just passing for the sake of passing, and then obviously you're going to get annoyed. But if we were playing the kind of football that say Swansea were playing, I you know we wouldn't say oh we don't like that. Uh, we want long balls into the box. We'd appreciate it because you'd see that there's some game plan there. Um, and at, at the moment, um, you know Rovers don't seem to have a, a, a game plan in terms of going forward. Things were much better yesterday. Uh, and and hopefully they can continue to improve over the next week, and we can pick up two home wins, and 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 people can go away happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is uh, it is important to point out just how close this league is. Uh, if we'd have got uh, that that uh, that win yesterday, um, then I think uh, by the end of this week we could have been uh, in the in the automatic promotion spots. Uh, two two wins this week. It's really close up at the top. Uh, no one's pulling away yet. Um, so get a decent manager in, and uh, uh, we can we can uh, still put ourselves uh, in contention for automatic promotion. Um, just looking at the uh, uh, new manager search, um, there's been a lot of concern that uh, just possibly that the the owners are looking to bring Eric Black in on a full time basis. Um, what on earth is going on uh, behind the scenes? Uh, would you like to fill us in? <laughs> uh, it's uh, honestly, it's, uh, I'm bemused like like the rest of the fans. Uh, um, obviously, it's now we're into week four. We're into the fourth week since uh, Steve Keane left. Um, I thought we'd have a new manager in within three weeks. Uh, I, I gave him. You know, we had a week uh, after Steve Keane was sacked where we did nothing, so a shortlist wasn't even done. Um, Shebby, I think, said that was because we had three important games that week, which which was, you know, I accept that, and and that he wanted to focus on those games and then look at the shortlist after that. So again, you know, that's perfectly logical. And in that week, uh, fr- from comments that Shebby made. Uh, we had uh, a large number, he was saying, of very good calibre people applying for the job. Uh, so, you know, that, that was all good. Uh, so he, he, put the, he put the shortlist together then the following Thursday. Uh, so that was nearly two weeks after, after Keane had left. Um, so uh, the shortlist was put together. And then we had a week of rumours, uh, really. Uh, from my information, we have made some progress. Uh, in in the search for the manager, but uh, you know it was really disappointing that we hadn't got to a stage uh, on Friday where we were close to having a manager appointed. Uh, there seems to have been a fixation with Tim Sherwood that um, definitely Shebby has had. Obviously, we we had an official approach uh, not back on Wednesday. Um, that wasn't the first one. I believe we made. Uh, the first approach uh, on the Saturday after uh, Keane had been sacked, so just a day later, and at that point it was knocked back. A second approach was knocked back on Tuesday, Wednesday this week, uh, and 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 you know he's obviously uh, Shebby's first choice. Uh, the information I have now, and it's something that Andy Cryer has also tweeted last night that. Uh, Sherwood now is looking likely it's not going to happen. Uh, I think Shebby has finally got the message that um, that you know he's not going to be coming. Uh, he should have had this message a long time ago because if Tim was really serious about um, taking the Rovers job, then he would resign from his Tottenham position and and let us work a compensation package out with them. He's not done that. Uh, the people close to uh, Sherwood who I've talked to, uh, they've said that 
he would have been interested in a Rovers job, but he would want direct talks with the owners uh, before he would even consider the position. He's not interested in having talks with uh, Shaw and Shebby and Paul Agnew. Yeah, he'll talk to them, but uh, he wouldn't make his decision until after having direct face-to-face talks uh, with with the owners. Uh, that hasn't happened, and uh, I think you know we can possibly now say Sherwood's not going to be the new manager. Uh, the other person who's in the frame big time is uh, Ian Holloway, uh, Blackpool's manager. He's somebody who uh, Derek Shaw um, is uh, um, really keen on, um, and and you know obviously believes he can land him as manager. Holloway's comments um, on Friday for the uh, uh, with the BBC uh, basically he didn't rule out uh, not taking the Rovers job. He just said he's not been approached, so there's nothing to talk about. Uh, I'm told he would definitely be interested in the job should Rovers approach him. Uh, the big problem we have here is uh, Shebby wants a younger manager, uh, young and up-and-coming manager, whereas Shaw uh, is saying that we should go for an experienced manager. Uh, so there's these two people who are uh, basically at odds. Uh, one wants a young manager, uh, one wants an older, more experienced manager. Uh, and, and, you know, that's where we are. Um, the latest have this morning, and again, it's... Uh, been confirmed by Andy uh, on his on his Twitter. Um, I was told on Friday that Rovers were close to possibly appointing uh, a new manager, and it may well be done by Wednesday. Uh, I don't know the uh, the name of this new mystery manager, but I'm told it's not uh, it, it's somebody who's moved ahead of Holloway, uh, and that there's a possibility it could be appointed by Friday uh, by sorry by Wednesday. I don't know who he is. Uh, if it's not uh, Holloway, and Andy's confirmed on his Twitter as well that it's not Robinson or Grayson, who I thought it might be. So it could be one of the many people who've been linked with the with the Rover job. But my information on Friday was that there was a, a mystery candidate uh, and that this candidate could be uh, appointed before the game on, on, on Wednesday. Uh, I suspect it'll be somebody who's uh, been found by Shebby rather than, than Shaw if, if people are so confident that it's going to be done uh, before Wednesday. Uh, who it is, I don't know. Uh, this morning we've seen Billy McKinley's uh, uh, name, um, one of the um, uh, betting companies, Bet Victor, uh, have suddenly made him favourite. So he's come from nowhere to be favourite overnight. That usually means someone's either put a big bet on him or there's been a few people betting on Billy McKinley. Uh, now, he's not been linked in any newspaper or radio article, so uh, either someone you know, believes he's going to be the new manager uh, and has put a lot of money on, or it's just a few people speculating. But he's come from nowhere to become the favourite, and he's not been linked in any press articles. The very interesting thing about Billy McKinley is if he's appointed... Uh, when guess who his best mate is? Um, it's Steve Keane, I presume. Yes, uh, very, very, very close friends uh, with with Keane uh, to the extent from the Fulham days, yeah. Yes, and and you know uh, um, he he knows him from you know family wise as well. Very, very close friends uh, with with uh, with Keane. Now there was even a chance that he would have become the assistant manager at Rovers uh, last year, but. You know, he, he for whatever reason didn't come. Uh, so, so if he was appointed, and I'm not saying he is. It's just I'm just speculating on uh, Bookie suddenly making him favourite out of nowhere. Uh, if he's appointed, then uh, you know again that link with Steve Keane will will come up again. Mm, yeah. Uh, just going back to uh, Ian Holloway and uh, what this may say about the uh, the struggle going on behind the scenes. Um, you're saying that uh, it's Shaw who's after uh, Holloway, but uh, Balaji has uh, is uh, um, off the record uh, at least uh, very much in favour of a, a move for Holloway. At least he was in the summer. Uh, now, if Balaji is the one who is behind Shebby, and he's supporting Holloway, what on earth does that tell us about uh, uh, you know what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, uh, Balaji was. 
uh, definitely uh, a fan of, of Holloway in the summer, uh, as he was a fan of Robinson. How he became a fan of Robinson, I don't know, but uh, he was definitely a fan of Holloway, and he was the the these two were the people that he would have liked uh, to have replaced Steve Keane in the summer. But uh, Shebby is Balaji's man. Uh, Bal- he listens to Shebby. He's uh, put him on the ground here uh, to uh, you know run things for him and. Uh, obviously, he listens to 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 uh, Shebby's advice, and if Shebby's saying he's not sure about Holloway or that this option will be better, or maybe we should explore this, or um, you know, you know, he will listen to him. And Shebby's very, very uh, influential uh, with regards to to Balaji's uh, thinking. Uh, obviously, Balaji can make his own mind up, but he would take advice uh, from both Show and Shebby, and it looks like at the moment. Uh, um, you know the advice is that Shebby would like to explore other options uh, before before ahead of of Holloway. So we'll you know we'll just have to see how that one develops. Um, um, you know, um, but Holloway is definitely somebody that sure favours. He's pretty obviously very confident that he can uh, get him to agree to come to Rovers. That's why he's putting his name out there. But at the moment, I think they're. Um, Shebby would like to look at other options ahead of of, of Holloway. Uh, there are suggestions that uh, uh, one of the reasons why Shebby may not be so keen on someone like Holloway is that uh, Holloway is a very strong character and uh, may be rather difficult to uh, manage him, as it were. He would, but then he's keen on Sherwood, and I'm telling you now, Tim Sherwood is a very, very, very strong character. There would be absolutely no chance that he would accept any kind of messing about from from Shebby. Uh, Sherwood will say he wants X, Y, and Z, and and he, you know, Shebby would have to make damn sure that he gets it. So that strong character link, Sherwood is just as strong, if not even stronger character than than what Holloway is. Uh, so. So I'm not sure that one, you know, I don't think uh, getting a strong character in and uh, being able to control him uh, is is a factor in this if Hashebi is very keen on getting Sherwood in because he's just as strong, if not more strong character than what, what Holloway is. But I agree, uh, Holloway will not take any messing about uh, in terms of any interference. He'll want to, uh, it done his way or it'll be the highway, basically. Uh, and, and he won't take any messing around. Mm. It's interesting also that uh, you, you talk of uh, uh, young and upcoming managers uh, and Holloway you, you refer to as experienced. Uh, Holloway's kind of, uh, uh, he's, he's certainly not young, but uh, he's not experienced in, in the sense of, you know, uh, 10, 15 years at the top experience. You know, we've had international uh, managers applying for the position, uh, people who've... Um, got international experience over in Spain, Germany and what have you. Um, he's, he's not experienced in that sense, is he? No, I mean, he's not experienced as, um, you know, uh, that he's been a manager for uh, donkey's years. Um, but he's, in terms of uh, managerial experience, he's, uh, you know, he became a manager in 1996. Um, uh, you know, so where he, you know, he started off at Bristol Rovers. Um, he had 247 games there. Uh, then he had, um, you know, so that was 96 to 2001. Then he was QPR manager from 2001 to 2006. Uh, then he had a spell at um, Plymouth Argyle, you know, and then he went on to Leicester. And he's been Blackpool manager since May 2009. So, you know, he's been a manager for uh, best part of, uh, 16 years, I would say now. Uh, yeah, around about 16 years. Uh, 761 games he's had as a manager. So, so he's, he's, as you can see, I've done my research on him. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, I'm pretty surprised <laughs> here, actually. Uh, now, I've been preparing an article on him uh, yeah. um, in case he's appointed. So I've been doing quite a lot of background research. Um, uh, so, you know, he's 761 games. Uh, he's got a win percentage of... Thirty-seven point nine eight percent, you know, which is which is pretty good. 
considering you know that many games. So so he's not inexperienced. I know what you're saying. He hasn't got top level yeah. experience. You know, yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. Like Bernd Schuster, who's managed at the top level, or even Sven Eriksson. You know, yeah, he's you know he's not got the absolute uh, top top grade experience, but you know he's been around the game for a very long time, uh, and he knows how to work with budgets because uh, the teams he's been at. Uh, they haven't had that much money, uh, so he knows how to work with budgets, and and uh, you know whether he's the right or wrong man, you know, only time would tell. But I think he'd have a good chance at Rovers if he could get the players on board, and uh, you know a win percentage of thirty-seven percent ish isn't isn't uh, you know isn't bad to be honest. Uh, uh, it's not great, you know. We're not we're not getting someone who's like a Jose Mourinho or anything, but uh, there's some potential there definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm pretty uh, pretty surprised that it goes back to the mid '90s his uh, managerial career, but uh, yeah, uh, but certainly in the in the top league, uh, his experience is uh, uh, rather thin on the ground. But right now, uh, I think we were discussing this last time. Uh, the most important point is that we stabilise the club, uh, certainly on the field, but also off the field, and. Uh, uh, get get some organisation uh, behind the scenes um, as well as uh, uh, on the pitch. The the other so, interesting one that you know it's it's just me. This is just me speculating. I've got a feeling that had we won yesterday and we picked up some more points uh, over the next two games, there would be a possibility that Rovers might have waited for Solskjaer, uh, Ole Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, I've talked to people very close to him as well, his agents. And his name is being bandied about, not just to Rovers, but to a few other clubs. Uh, the problem is that he doesn't want to leave Mould uh, until the season finishes. And I think they've got five games left. I think if we'd possibly won yesterday, uh, and that might have just given Rovers a bit more breathing space in terms of saying, OK, if, if Solskjaer is the one that we want, then then um, we'd, we'd, we, we can maybe... Uh, we're picking up points, black are stabilising so we can take our time and, and get Solskjaer uh, in the next three or four weeks when when the uh, when the Norwegian season finishes. But obviously um, that hasn't happened. Um, we didn't get a win yesterday and now the pressure's really ratcheted up uh, uh, to, to get um, uh, the new man in sooner rather than later. So I think that's why this mystery person that has been said that you know, he'll be in by Wednesday is uh, becoming more likely to happen because because of the results yesterday. Uh, but you know, I think if we'd won yesterday, it might have just given Rovers a little bit more time uh, to get a new manager in. And yeah. and Solskjaer, I think, would be a very very good choice. Uh, he's he's done a really good job in uh, for Mould, and um, he's very very highly rated by a number of different people. Uh, yeah, the the interesting thing is uh, Gary Neville in all of this because uh, Venky's obviously bought his house of him, uh, and I'm told that he does. You know, the owners do have his number, and Balaji has his number, and he talks to him. Uh, now, if they talk, you know, if Balaji did ring uh, Gary Neville up and ask for his advice, then I think someone like Solskjaer would be recommended uh, by Neville because uh, obviously they were teammates. They've stayed in touch. Um, uh, you know. Uh, Ole was the reserve team ma- uh, manager at uh, Manchester United for a period, so uh, Gary Neville will know of his abilities as a manager. So it wouldn't surprise me if if he's another name that's been advised by someone like Gary Neville to the owners. Uh, and again, he would fit uh, Shebby's um, uh, sort of uh, job spec in terms of he wants somebody young and up and coming. Uh, he's not British, but he has a lot of experience of the British game. So he could be another one, but I think the result yesterday uh, probably doesn't give uh, Venkis that time now uh, to to wait for someone like uh, Solskjaer coming in because the need to bring somebody in uh, ASAP uh, because of the pressure that they're under now has become uh, you know more more paramount and and I think that's why whoever this mystery person is uh, uh, has become. The, the favourite, so to speak. Yeah, we'll see in the next uh, few days uh, what happens. Um, yeah. uh, we really, really need to get something sorted. Um, even if it was uh, uh, Oligo Solskjaer and we had to wait for him, at least if we knew, then uh, 
um, that, that would settle things down a bit. Uh, I understand that he's got until the 3rd of November in the uh, Norwegian League with uh, some key games. And I think if if he's uh, if he's able to uh, establish a good lead at the top of the uh, division there by 3rd of November, then should be plain sailing to the end of the season and to win the league. Um, I think that's what uh, some of the Norwegian members on the uh, on the message board are saying. Yeah, even if the owners appointed. Uh... Oli Solskjaer tomorrow, for example, and said he'd be starting on the 5th of November. Well, the appointment bit of it's done. Yeah, you're going to have to wait uh, a month, but at least they've done and done and dusted the appointment and, and people can get get on with it. But uh, I'd suspect Mole don't want that because they're going for the championship and they don't want you know players thinking, oh, well, he's leaving at the end of the season anyway. And, 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 and I suspect that's the reason why uh, you know he won't even talk to anyone until... Uh, the actual season has has finished. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, so we'll we'll just wait and see in the next few days uh, whether uh, this new mystery man is appointed or not. In the background, there's news that uh, Steve Keane has put in a, a compensation claim for 1.5 million pounds. Uh, he's going for constructive dismissal. Uh, what do you uh, what do you know about that? Uh, to be honest, I did. I honestly, I didn't know anything about it until I read it this morning. Uh, um, basically, I think the Sun have done a, an article, um, and you know he's he's asking for a 1.5 million out of court settlement. Uh, so basically, it's equivalent of one year's wages for him. Really, that's what he's asking for. Um, so uh, you know, he's saying that he was forced to resign. And because his position had been made untenable by the club's Indian owners, uh, so so that's why he's uh, asked his uh, legal people to construct uh, uh, a case of constructive dismissal against Blackburn Rovers. Uh, he's now saying that he'd call a halt to the proceedings uh, uh, if the owners could, you know, if they coughed up 1.5 million, basically. Uh, obviously. Going to court would mean legal fees for Venkis, um, and and you know there's no guarantee that they would actually win the case. I think they've got a very good chance of winning it because uh, there's lots of stuff out there which uh, you know, like the video, for example, um, about Sam Allardyce. I'm pretty sure that can be used as uh, as bringing the club into dispute. Um, um, so I think they may have. I'm no legal expert, but I suspect they've got a good case. Uh, to to stop him, you know, uh, getting this constructive dismissal. But there's a risk there, and then there's a load of legal bills that they gotta pay. So maybe that's what Keane is banking on, and he can get this 1.5 million out of him. Yeah, I mean, untenable. I mean, I, I mean, anyone looking at this would have thought that uh, it was untenable for about. Uh, 20 months out of the 20 mon- 21 months that he was in charge, the way things were run in the background. Uh, yeah, I mean, his position became unattainable, really. You know, the Bolton game at home uh, last year, yeah. uh, just yeah. before Christmas, when you know there were mass protests from the second minute onwards, I think. Uh, that's when his position became untenable. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, th- there's been stuff going in the background. He's even admitted himself uh, that he allowed players to be signed that he'd never seen, you know, like the Portuguese players that he admitted uh, that was signed on and around the transfer deadline day. So he can't use that as an excuse uh, for it becoming untenable because he agreed to those players being signed. Uh, and they're not the only ones, you know. I'm I'm 90% sure people like Goodwillie and Petrovic were bought in by Vinith uh, uh, and, and Simon Hunt. Uh, so he can't even use that as excuse because, th- you know, those players they were you know there's been players being signed without his permission for months and months and months and he's agreed to it. He's taken the money, said all right, yeah, and he's gone out and called them the next uh, Wayne Rooney, so to, uh, you know, with goodwillie. So uh, you know, God knows uh, how he can put a constructive dismissal case against these guys, uh, and I, I think that's why they might be confident about winning it, but. 
uh, I suspect legal fees for this kind of thing will be astronomical so it's whether they want to pay those legal fees or whether it's cheaper for him just to to give him one and a half million and get him get him out, out of the books mm, okay have you ever come across uh, anything like this in football uh, with a, a manager resigning and then uh, claiming constructive dismissal yeah i think there's been a lot of cases you know in the past where say the board have interfered or or you know there's you know there's been clear interference by so on on a number of issues and the managers uh, has resigned, but uh, they, I don't think one has ever been to court from my memory. It normally gets uh, done and dusted, um, um, you know, uh, out of court. And uh, to be honest, it, 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 most of these cases the press don't even find out about because the manager and the club come to uh, uh, agreement. And you know, when you get a manager who's left. And they say it's been mutually agreed that uh, that uh, that this person will leave. That's what usually yeah. happens. Uh, it's done before the the news is made official. So uh, um, you know the club and the manager sit down and say, right, let's mutually agree this and get a statement out there saying uh, it's a mutual agreement. Rather than what Keane did was uh, let the press know before uh, the club knew. You know the club found out when he released his press statement. Uh, so. Yeah. The, but you know he's a unique individual <laughs> in many respects. So, so uh, uh, you know we'll see what happens. But as I think they might go for this one and a half million because it'll save them the hassle of going through court. And I suspect going to court will probably be quite an expensive uh, process. And um, you know there's no guarantee that they would actually win it. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, it'd be a, a fine postscript to uh, to his uh, his reign, wouldn't it? Yes. He gets uh, you know, 1.5 million out of it, even uh, even after he's left. There you go. 1.5 million for doing a, the worst possible job ever. You know. Yeah, incredible. Good money if you can get it. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, this week uh, we've got uh, Sheffield Wednesday uh, on Wednesday and then Watford on Saturday. Um, got a pretty good chance of uh, going into the playoff zone or uh, yeah possibly up into third or fourth even um, what uh, what do you make of uh, our chances for for these two matches Sheffield Wednesday of course uh, played Leeds uh, on Friday night um, there was the incident with uh, Chris Kirkland the goalkeeper being attacked um, but uh, uh, yeah Sheffield Wednesday are struggling at the moment. Uh, Watford aren't having a particularly good season either. Uh, what do you reckon their chances are of getting uh, six points over uh, over the uh, four days? Yeah, we well we really need to get six points. I think uh, we can't afford to fall further behind uh, the likes of Leicester and Cardiff. Um, yeah, we're not massively with six points, which which can be turned around. Uh, but yeah, I mean Sheffield Wednesday are in the relegation zone, um, so. There's a good chance of getting um, some points against them. The away form um, is abysmal. They've uh, you know drawn two and lost five away from uh, from home, so they haven't got any victories on the road yet. Um, so I think there's a good chance of beating them. And Watford um, have just started to turn the corner. Um, you know they, they they and they've done quite well away from home in terms of they've won three and and lost two. Um, uh, in the process, scoring ten goals uh, away from home, so so I think that might be a, a tougher game, and I, and I expect Watford to be in and around the playoff places uh, come come May, so that'd be a tougher one. But I think we need to get uh, six points from from these two games. So the uh, Burnley match is also uh, coming up, fast on the horizon. Uh, we'll be playing them uh, early November, and. The details have just been released for uh, the match tickets, and again, once again, uh, you'll have to take take the coach to to get there. I think it's six pound fifty uh, plus the uh, match tickets. I think uh, around about three thousand tickets have been secured initially. Uh, that may go up to somewhere in the region of three thousand three hundred max, I believe. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, the, <laughs> the interesting thing is that uh, they're getting double-deckers double on the job uh, this time. Just hope that they're not uh, yellow. But, uh, those are the uh, basic details for the Burnley match. Are you, are you going to be on one of those double-deckers? Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be on one of the double decker buses. Um, uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot of people wanting to get to the game because uh, I believe it's not being televised uh, by Sky or or any of the other companies who cover the championship. So the only way you can see it will be actually going to the ground, or if if Rovers do a some kind of beam back to the Blues Bar. Uh, so suspect uh, demand for tickets is going to be even higher this time because it's not on, on television. The key thing for Rovers at the moment is that they get settled, get a new manager in before the Burnley match, because heaven help us if we go into the Burnley match uh, in our current state. Yeah, we need a new manager in place and, and um, you know, sort of up and running, so to speak, by that time. Um, yeah. um, we could be fam- uh, facing a former manager of ours, uh, Paul Ince, is being heavily linked uh, um, for with the with the um, Burnley job, so it's my dream that Paul Ince becomes manager and brings Steve Keane as his assistant. That'd be absolutely brilliant. <laughs> uh, dear, oh dear, uh, a dream team. <laughs> well, we've got uh, something to look forward to, I guess, um, uh, up on the horizon. Um, the new manager will hopefully be in place by the time we talk next uh, next weekend. Uh, we'll be able to discuss the Sheffield Wednesday game and the Watford game. And uh, the um, uh, 1.5 million compensation claim, uh, I would imagine that that's going to run and run for quite a while now. Uh, so we'll just keep our eyes on, on that. Uh, that's all we have time for today. So I'd just like to say thanks to Cammy. Thanks, Ren. Um, as always, a pleasure. And uh, we'll be back again very soon. Uh, thanks ever so much for listening. And wherever you are in the world, do take care. Thank you very much.